You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by Shark Coatings. Visit sharkfloorcoatings.com when you need professional floor coating services done right the first time. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me right here on this Monday night, as he does every Monday night during the season, co-host Will Miles. Find him at Read and Reaction. Dot com reading reaction YouTube on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. Um, Will, a lot of praise, man, for the uh, your, your most recent article looking back at the USF game. Uh, what the Gators, uh, <laughs> what went wrong uh, there in that very close victory there for the Gators uh, over USF, the uh, unexpected close victory there uh, for USF. So, we'll, look, we'll uh, you, you had a really good dive in. There, we'll get to hear from Billy Napier, Anthony Richardson uh, in this episode as well. But, yeah, definitely want to give you a shout-out, man. I I saw the article shared a lot and uh, a lot of comments headed your way. No, thanks. I was telling you before we come on that sometimes it seems like the numbers do better when people are angry and want to know what to (laughs) fix as opposed to when they're happy and want to know what went right. So um, don't don't worry. I don't root root for that to happen. But uh, obviously there's some things that need to be fixed. And and I think everybody's sort of looking at it saying, okay, this is a brand new coach and a brand new administration and a brand new quarterback for the most part. And, and what are we going to do? Like, what is the organization going to do to, to right the ship? Because obviously that performance, particularly in the second half against South Florida, isn't going to cut it in an SEC schedule. So, um, you know, I think everybody's sort of on pins and needles at this point going on the road to Tennessee, um, you know, with a team that's that's an explosive scoring team, and and so you know, is the offense going to be able to keep up? Is the defense going to be able to stop anybody? Um, questions that we had last year that we still have now, three games in, um, and that's the thing, right? Is in the Utah game the defense struggled, but the offense looked good. In the Kentucky game, the offense struggled, but the defense looked pretty good. And then against South Florida, especially in the second half, nobody did anything right, yeah. <laughs> other, other than allowing Kentucky or allowing South Florida to make bad snaps and uh, and and let you sneak out of there. And I mean, you know, Bohannon gave them a couple of gifts, especially after Richardson tried to hand it to him. So, um, not 
not the most encouraging week for Florida. We all sort of hoped hoped that Anthony Richardson would write the ship, and it'd be something like you know fifty five to three, and said thirty one to twenty eight. It's that's uh, that's rough. That's rough. So hopefully they can write the ship. You know, I mean, it, I, you can see it. There's an opportunity to turn things around. But yeah. as as we're getting further and further into the season, you know, the the opportunity is there, but is the ability? And I think that's the thing we're starting to question is. Is the ability to turn around going to going to crop up, or is it going to be sort of you know <laughs> two steps forward and six steps back like it's been the first few weeks of the season here? And and we'll see. That's what we'll talk about, obviously. Yeah, you know, I, I got some reviews from the episode yesterday. I think somebody even sent one to you. Said, "Oh man, Dave, Dave sounds a little bit down." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I am a little bit, of course." Uh, that you know, the the fan side of me, yeah, that 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 hurts a little bit seeing the team go from at least our excitement level as fans to a level 10 to right now the excitement is just as you said pins and needles and don't know where it's going and look there's the interest of course is still there but the excitement level man has waned uh big time uh the last couple of weeks there so big game this weekend on the road in knoxville uh time to get up for that one time for the gators go on the road we'll learn something about this team on the road uh for the first time uh this season three straight home games of course to open up the season there for the gators and now on the road for the first time going to knoxville with that of course billy napier on monday speaking to the media we got to hear from anthony richardson as well first time on the monday we get to hear from him we get to hear from him on the the post game as well uh, Saturday. So Anthony Richardson, while uh, it's been going pretty difficult for him on the field, at least uh, out there uh, discussing it with this, uh, the, the media there. And a lot of interesting comments, Will, uh, coming out from uh, today's press conference talking about, uh, as you said, the title of this episode. Of course, Billy Napier was going to be asked about the passing attack. And of course, uh, maybe the limitations of running one quarterback, Anthony Richardson. And that was brought up in a, a pretty interesting take there from the head coach Billy Napier so we'll get into all that uh and plenty more right here I got some uh, third quarter looks too uh Gators are not, not look it hasn't been pretty all over as you will as you said it's kind of been inconsistent uh but the third quarter even dating back to the Utah game has not been pretty uh for the Gators so Gators coming out of halftime I have no idea what's going on and why they can't get the third quarter. And we'll look at stats that really kind of show show that uh, why the Gators are you know coming out struggling right here uh, in the third quarter. So all right, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Really helps us out there on the YouTube version. Good bit of you watching live right now. Hit that like button. Really really helps us out. Um, YouTube that algorithm there. Yep. They, they notice those likes there. Leave a comment. Leave a comment and keep that conversation going. Subscribe. Get those notifications when Gators Breakdown goes live or when there's a new episode up. And Gators Breakdown Plus, of course. Check us out there. Link is in the description. The Discord conversation is going on all day, every day for even more Gator football talk. So, all right, let's get started with Billy Napier on this press conference Monday as he assesses the Gator passing attack. I think that we need to improve uh, in the throw game. And that's one of the points of emphasis uh, with the offensive players yesterday is precision in the throw game, right? And I think settling into uh, some lineups, obviously um, figuring out what we do well, what can we do well, what's the quarterback comfortable with, all those things come, go into that. So, um, you know, when I say that, I'm talking about protection, I'm talking about uh, detail and, and the steps, the depths of the routes, the aiming points, and then the quarterback 
uh, progression and decision making, right? So all 11 players contribute, um, and I think we need to be more precise and more detailed in that part of our football team. Precision, just kind of a new staff thing, different system. Yeah, new first year in a in a new system, uh, and and then certainly a first year quarterback in a new system too. You know, to go along with um, skilled players that are playing in a new system, right? I think we have protected a quarterback well to some degree. Uh, there have been a few handful of plays where we maybe can do it better, but you know, we we have we haven't been sacked. Uh, and Anthony's done a nice job making some plays with his legs uh, when it has broken down. So it's an area of our team where we need to improve. There's no question about that. You can tell that. The average fan can tell that. My wife can, you know, she's she's informed me of that. So um, we need to get better. Well, my wife informs me all the time when I need to get better at things. So uh, it looks like Billy Napier's wife doing the same thing uh, right there, talking about this passing attack for the Gators. And look, uh, of course, pretty straightforward. Uh, Billy Napier's not sharing anything that we don't already know. Did name some, uh, when assessing it, did name some different avenues right there of where the Gators need to get better. Talking about lineups and will, of course, that's been <laughs> probably one of the most popular ones there uh, as far as lineups go when you're struggling like this. I mean, look, at the same time, you know, Gators had only played two games coming into to, to this third game versus USF, still trying to figure out the team, still trying to figure out who does what, who does well, who does what bad. But I do think you know, we were getting early indications, especially in the run game, of who needs to be out there uh, and, and helping this Gator, uh, Gator attack. But if he's talking about lineups uh, there as far as the passing attack goes, maybe what receivers need to be out there. I mean, of course, we've seen the main three cogs, and we know the main three receivers, Shorter, Henderson, and Pierce Saul out there, those guys seem to be taking the majority of the snaps at the wide receiver position. Trip Whittemore finally gets involved uh, a bit more this past week with 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 a catch. Uh, Zipperer was involved more from the tight end uh, role as well. So as he speaks on lineups, Will, and this passing attack, yeah. Uh, Probably where you use uh, some of these lineups, and I know we, we've hit on it before, but you know Xavier Henderson touches the ball numerous times, and there's just not a lot of productivity coming from when the ball is in his hands. I don't. They have to be seeing something in practice to keep going back to him in, in, in these roles, and whether it be sweeps, whether it be reverses, whether it be a screen pass to him. We've got we're, we're three games in now. Uh, I think there's enough data out there that shows you. All right, man. If he's doing it in practice, it's not translating into the game. No, I mean, I think I think efficiency is one of the things that you really need to think about for all the guys on the field. I mean, Richardson is the main culprit, clearly, and he needs to be better. And those throws over the middle that he's just airmailing guys need needs to stop, right? I mean, he has to hit those passes right down the middle of the defense because if he can't do it, then you're going to struggle everywhere else because they're going to start squeezing you in, in, in different places. But there were plenty of times as well where he had checkdowns. And mm -hmm. I think that's the first place that I go to is, you know, I diagrammed it in the article that you mentioned, but also, I mean, everybody, including ETN's brother, saw that ETN <laughs> was wide open on that one play. And on third and seven, the defense is going to give you a check down. And sometimes it's just okay. You take the check down, you get it to fourth and two, you give Napier a decision as to whether he's going to go for it or not. And sometimes you're going to punt the ball away, but you don't have a catastrophic turnover. You don't give the other team a benefit of just enormous field position. And, and that's sort of been the story of the year is that, is that, you know, Richardson has just not been able to 
has not been able to avoid the turnovers, but also has not been able to make the simple play when the simple play is there. Now, you go to efficiency, though, elsewhere. Naquan Wright averaging 4.2 yards per rush. Montrell Johnson's averaging 9.6. Even if you take away Montrell Johnson's two runs, he had one of 40 and one of 60 yards. Even if you take those away, he's still averaging six yards a carry, which is 1.8 yards per rush more than Naquan Wright. They have a similar number of carries, 24 for Wright, 25 for Johnson. If you need to be more efficient, there's a change you can make right there. Just feed Johnson the ball. He only had three carries in the first three quarters, and then they finally gave it to him in the fourth quarter. Lo and behold, the ball started moving again. Um, Henderson, 15 catches. The next nearest is Pearsall with seven. Mm. There's only four throws to the running backs. They Four catches for 26 yards for the running backs. Two for Johnson, two for ETN, none for Wright. And if you're going to have Wright on the field, that's the thing I'd use him <laughs> for is that sort of stuff. Throw to Naquan Wright. So I think we can talk about, you know, I, I don't know that there's much you can do at the wide receiver position. For the most part, these guys have been open. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you look that there have been some times that they've they haven't created separation, but the ones that jump to mind are like Jaquavian Frazier's on the slant on the fourth down against Kentucky, where you're like, he didn't get any separation and the DB the DB uh guarded it well. Okay. The the kind of whatever that was fade route to shorter. I mean, should he have gotten his hands in there and knocked the ball out? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, the, the there's nothing I don't think that I look out there and say, Oh, there's this glaring weakness at wide receiver. Now there isn't a wide receiver that you can give him a little bubble screen and he takes it 90 yards. And you know, that's something that Napier's going to have to fix, but you don't fix that right now. You fix that through recruiting. And uh, so the, the savior isn't coming through the door unless that savior is Anthony Richardson. But while Richardson's struggling, he needs guys to step up and, but he's going to have to give him an opportunity. I mean, if you chuck it into a zone where there's three guys surrounding Pearsall, when you've got, a running back wide open on the check down, like you just have to hit that check down. So I, I think the efficiency of the players around him can be optimized, but at the end of the day, it's not going to matter if yeah. the quarterback play doesn't get any better. So I was looking today, Anthony Richardson has a QB rating of 89, which if you double it would be, it would be the same as KJ Jefferson <laughs> and would be less than Stetson Bennett's QB rating. And he he's the only player in the SEC with significant snaps at quarterback with a QB rating under 100. So it's just he he's averaging 5.5 yards per throw. The next nearest is Jaden Daniels at 6.7. I think Daniels has been pretty bad. So you know you look at that and you say, look, if you're not going to use your legs and you're not going to run around, and we're going to talk about that, I'm sure. If you're not going to do that, you have to be more efficient in the passing game. And part of that is just completing them and getting the six yard gain because right now it's, you know, you can't go three of 12 for 60 yards. It just isn't going to get the job done. Yeah, no, I keep going back to, you know, they have to learn about this and maybe ahead of schedule for the Utah game. It got our hopes up. And then right now it does, it, I guess the worry is it does seem like a regression uh, there. You know, so you had the good performance versus Utah, it was through the air, it was on the ground. And we have not seen that performance uh, since then. You know, was it as simple as the, the Gators put something on tape and Kentucky was able to garner something from watching film USF uh, the, the same way? I mean, look, it can't be that simple. <laughs> we, we know, as we said, the plays versus Kentucky were there. The throws were there. The reads were not there. The or, or the read was there, and and the throw was misfired. So there's just so many ways to look at this and say, all right, well, some some plays are there. Uh, USF, you know, that game that was just uh, that was a weird game. Kind of chronicled that yesterday. Florida just didn't have the ball a whole lot in the first half. Part of that was their defense couldn't get off the field, and you know you had to pick six. You also had the big Montreal Johnson run, so it just wasn't really a whole lot of opportunity uh, in that first half to, to be on the field, maybe even get in the groove a bit. 
should have relied on the run game a bit more uh, there with, with, with the running backs. But yeah, yeah, Napier, you know, assessing the passing game, talking about lineups, um, and then every facet. Well, you know, talks about up front blocking. You know, for the most part, the blocking's been good. I mean, yes, there have been a couple times, and look, it's not going to be perfect. Uh, a couple times, of course, uh, against Kentucky, where there is pressure in Anthony Richardson's face um, a, a good bit. He he able to get rid of the ball uh, more so in that game. It was with, with his arm against. Utah and against USF, we saw plenty of time of him escaping the pocket, stiff arming guys, making guys miss, pushing them away, uh, him creating while there aren't any sacks there uh, for the Gators giving up on the offensive line. But Kentucky did a really nice job of doing just getting in his face, uh, sometimes affecting the throws that were that that were missed. It wasn't just AR missing throws. Kentucky did a good job uh, on their part as well. But the offensive line. I mean, it's a standout group right now. Run pass blocking and run blocking. I think. You know, I mean, the interception that Anthony Richardson threw the other night versus USF across the middle of the field. He had all day to throw. Will I mean, he could have sat back there and ate his dinner right back there at that time. He had plenty of time to throw. Probably too much time to think. We think, you know, of course, um, the mental aspect not really going a long way for Anthony Richardson right now. But we're going to sit there and you know talk about interceptions and why these things are happening for, for Anthony Richardson. Well, it's, you're not going to put it on the offensive line because you know, I, I do go back to that interception all day to throw, scanning the field, comes back to the middle late, which is something you know you can't do as a quarterback, an easy pick there uh, for, uh, for, for USF. So Napier says they got to protect better, but there's look, I, you know, I think he's trying to nitpick every, every little thing that's going on, but – you, you have to nitpick <laughs> this offensive line right now if you're going to sit here and say they got to block better. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Napier's doing what he can to say the whole offense needs to be better, but he knows what everybody else knows. Yep. So Anthony Richardson needs to be better. He completed 71% of his throws. He averaged seven yards an attempt, and then he ran for 9.6 yards per attempt in that game against Utah. And it was really the running that made the difference in that game. If he if he'd have run for 20 yards on 11 carries, that game's completely different. We feel completely different about that performance. It was the ground game that made Richards ground game with an efficiency in the passing game that made that an acceptable performance. Then you go to the Kentucky, he only completed 40% of his passes, averaged 4.1 yards per, per pass, and he averaged 0.7 yards per rush. And it was a catastrophe. Now, he was a little bit better against South Florida, 10 of 18, so 56% completion, averaged 6.2 yards per attempt, but he only averaged 3.4 yards per attempt on the ground, only ran it seven times. And the one time I really remember him going was that third and seven that Napier was talking about during the press conference where he was running around the edge to get the first down. The the. The problem is, is that Anthony Richardson is not a polished passer and everyone knows he's not a polished passer. And so you have to utilize every bit of what he brings to the table in order to be successful. And I think that's honestly going to be what ends up happening in the Tennessee game. If they've got any shot is they're going to have to utilize every single bit of Anthony Richardson. And that's going to include using his legs. Now, the other thing I think we do need to do need to take into consideration is Florida was was much better than Utah, but the turnover by Johnson to start the game mm -hmm. really sort of tilted that game in Utah's favor and and made that much closer than it should have been. So, yes, Florida absolutely could have lost that game, but they were the better team that day. The Kentucky game, Kentucky was a way better team, but still, Florida was up 16-7 to and had an opportunity to really pull away, and that's when Richardson started turning the ball over. Same thing with USF. They're up, what, 24-13? to after after the pick six, Richardson starts throwing interceptions in the second half, and that allows USF to come back. 
the, the Richardson's going to make some mistakes. He has shown, even in games where he's played well, that he's going to throw some picks. And you have to live with it. Now, the thing that I think needs to improve is that he's going to have to take some more deep shots down the field, mm -hmm. and they're going to have to start going after big plays because you need the big plays to offset <laughs> the, the turnovers. But if he can play a clean game, if he can average seven yards a throw, if he can run for maybe 50, 55 yards, the offense is going to be efficient. In fact, the first half, USF couldn't stop the Florida mm -hmm. offense. Problem is, Florida couldn't stop USF the entire game. <laughs> and so that's the other aspect of this too, right, is that when you have a guy who's struggling, like Montrell Johnson needs to pick up his quarterback. Justin Shorter needs to pick up his quarterback. In fact, he did on that one pass down the sideline where mm -hmm. he jumped up and caught it. That was an unbelievable catch. Yeah, nice catch. And the defense needs to pick things up, right? So Richardson throws that that interception. Luckily, the guy steps out of bounds instead of going all the way into Florida territory. And then the defense comes right back. Brenton Cox all of a sudden comes alive and is, is making Bohannon very uncomfortable. He throws an interception, and Florida's in business. <laughs> Decide not to throw the ball anymore. Run it right down their throat and ends up scoring a touchdown. And I think the it was the first time I felt like all night. I mean, you know, you get the pick six, obviously, but it was the first time all night I felt like once things started going in the wrong direction, the Florida's defense did anything to pick up pick up its offense. And and that's that's what's going to have to happen against Tennessee is the offense is going to make some mistakes. There's going to be a fumble. There's going to be an interception. There's going to be something stupid that happens. And the defense is going to have to hold. The defense is going to have to hold hold Tennessee to a field goal. The defense is going to have to hit Hooker from the blind side, knock the ball loose. There's going to have to be some stuff that happens that gives Florida a tilted field in order to take advantage of the fact that they got some limitations on the offensive side of the ball, and that's, that's just the way it is. Yeah, well, you get, you get to a point there, and talking about those guys having to pick up Anthony Richardson, and we were coming into this season thinking if Florida's going to succeed this year, Anthony Richardson's going to have to pick up everybody around him. Yeah, you know, you're okay. You got a glimpse of that game one, not game two, not game three uh, right there. And, and you see it, you know, now, every, of course, you know, we're, we're starting to hear it a whole lot. But yeah, now you see where Florida needs all of its talent help. And you see where Florida needs its talent help on the defensive line and its talent help at the linebacker, which has been real chronicled there. Oh, Florida has Florida has no receivers. Well, okay, but you know that that's what your quarterback uh, looking bad at, at the same time. So you know we come into this season, uh, Anthony Richardson's going to have to pick up this offense. They, they, he's going to have to pick up the other ten guys around him. Well, I mean, that, we're we're four games in going into the Tennessee game, saying you know we're having to change the narrative a bit. This running game is going to have to pick up Anthony Richardson. You know, this offensive line is going to have to help Anthony Richardson. This defense is going to have to help Anthony Richardson. So you just. You just never know about this crazy game, man. <laughs> well, I mean, so so there's a couple of things I, I take umbrage to there, which is um, the the main one is is that that was not a talent problem on Florida's defense. Oh no no no! Were, I'm just saying that's what they, that's what was coming out. That was the narrative. I mean, that, that's just, I, that that's just what's that coming shouldn't out. be the narrative. That yeah. was a bunch of really talented guys who were out of position. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Is that they, there was there was a lack of trust amongst them. There were plays. You showed a play. You put a play on Twitter today where Gravon Dexter is getting getting triple teamed, and Rashad Torrance is like forty feet from the hole he's supposed to be in. And I mean, look, Torrance has been a good player all year long, and and last year he's a big part of their success. But I'm looking at it. I'm going, all right. You're in the red zone at the five yard line. It's first down. USF has seven guys on the line of scrimmage. You've got six in the box. 
they pull the tight end. So even if you make mm-hmm. the argument, that Tor- even if you make the argument that Torrance is the guy who's in coverage over the tight end, which I don't buy because they had four guys over there in coverage. But even if you buy that argument, the minute the tight end pulls, you got to move with him and get into that hole. And he's just not there. And th- look, that's one play for Torrance. And I showed some stuff in the article that specifically looked at Cox and some of the stuff that he did, but it was systemic. It was Amari Bernie's out of position on this play. Brenton Cox is out of position on this play. Uh, what you know, Shamar you, James is out of young linebackers. Torrance is out of position on this play. And it was just every single play, it felt like nine guys did it right and two didn't, and they just got gashed. And, you know, I, I think the other thing we need to remember is there were a couple of games where Kyle Trask had to get picked up too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't remember that from – from certainly the 2019 season, but but the 2020 season, Trask carried him. But if the defense could have gotten two stops, they're playing for a spot in the national championship against Alabama in the SEC championship game. Instead, they fell way behind. He 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 had some turnovers against LSU um, in that game in 2020. And if the defense had had any capability of stopping anybody, Florida is in a position to be able to win that game. And look. I think I, you know, I wrote an article last week about Anthony Richardson and Joe Burrow comparing the two and sort of how they had slow starts. Um, you know, Florida's defense right now is really bad. They're like 75th overall in terms of yards per play. You look at their, you look at their performance against the run. It's just as bad as last year. You look at their performance against the pass. It's actually worse than last year, um, depending upon how you're looking at it. But they're they're just bad. And so the defense hasn't gotten any better. And the fact that, I mean, honestly, it looks like the 2020 defense in some capacity, especially against USF. And I mean, nobody would have blamed Anthony Richardson. Even if, like, if Richardson plays well in these games coming up, if the defense isn't any better, Florida's still not winning the game. Yeah. And so that, that it's, look, I get it. You look at it and it's frustrating. And we all had high hopes for Richardson and we want him to be great. And, and the fact that he's flopping right now is, is, is problematic and a big reason why Florida has struggled the last two games. At the same time, the defense was putrid against USF. And, and that's, you know, you can't blame that on Richardson. And that game isn't anywhere close if the defense is able to get some stops, get some three and outs. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. I mean, how many three and outs has Florida forced this year? Like four? Uh, it's not many. And uh, I think they had one maybe against Utah. And then they had a couple against Kentucky. Yeah. Did they have any against South Florida? Yeah, there was. <laughs> they a had the interception there. on there. Yeah, There's, Kentucky had was probably the the best performance there. Um, I have to get a look. Or I mean, whatever. Yeah. I'm just. <laughs> when's the last time you can let go that drive where we got a three and out right after we scored, got the ball back, and had an opportunity to score again? Like, hasn't happened. So, um, I get it. Look, I'm I'm just as much. I mean. Richardson is the key to where this season's going to go. He's going to have to carry them at some point, but it's it's fool's gold to sit there and say the quarterback is going to carry you all year long in every game. Hopefully, these are the two hiccups and Richardson starts to pick it up. But if the defense looks like it did against South Florida, I'm sorry, they aren't going to. Mm-hmm. I mean, six and six is like, hey, I'll take it right now. I'll sign off on well, it if yeah. the defense plays like that. And that was a thing. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
and probably why we're kind of frustrated with this team, you could excuse if you want to look at stats and you want to look at where Florida's ranked. And we're, and we're going to do some of that right here, too, because Florida had played Utah. Florida had played Kentucky. Okay, well, that was the two toughest. That was, the, you know, the the worst start any team could have had. You know, playing two ranked teams, uh, it was the, 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 the hardest schedule through two weeks that you could say, okay, all right, well, you get it. It's everything's new. You're you're in transition. You've played a top ten team. Uh, you've played a top twenty team. And all right, you, you're gonna you're gonna start slow just because of that. But then all right, USF has come. All right, this is this is the get right game. Then this is where Anthony Richardson is gonna look better. And this is where the defense is gonna show they're very strong up front and they'll just dominate the game. Because you know you go back to Utah and you go back to Kentucky games. This defensive line came out firing. They were in the backfield. They were affecting the quarterback. We didn't see that at all <laughs> against USF. They were not living in the backfield. They were not forcing Bohannon to make um, – he, he made bad decisions, but that was more him. I don't think Florida affected him all that much into making those bad decisions like they did. I mean, Will Levis had to move, maneuver around the pocket and, and make some throws. Of course, Cam Rising did. <laughs> yeah, right. And Cam Rising did as well. You know, shifty, and he had to make throws. Like, Bohannon, it, was, it wasn't – to me, it wasn't Florida doing a whole lot to, to make those mistakes, but that, that's where the frustration comes in. All right, you had played those two tough teams, you get a little bit of a breather, and it wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, the only other, the only thing I would say is that I, I think Florida got away with one in some ways in terms of the way yeah. that Richardson played and the way the defense played. I do think that this is one of the reasons why it's difficult to win in the SEC, because getting up every week for games can be difficult. And, you know, you get up for that Utah game, you have the big win, you get up for the Kentucky game, you have a tough loss. Now, can you get up for the game against USF? Do you even really prepare for USF? Mm. Or are you kind of preparing for, for Tennessee while you're doing that? Kimber gets the picks. Don't ask, Billy Napier. Don't, don't ask Billy Napier about that now. Well, I mean, they're a great team, obviously. <laughs> it's just an awesome team, man. Good test for our ball club. Um, nah, so, look, I, I think it's natural to have sort of a – exhale the fans felt it too because the swamp was not full oh, and it was yeah. not rocking the way it has no. the last couple of the last couple of weeks either and so i look at it and i go that there have been a couple of teams this year that have had this game and have not gotten out alive so a&m oh. didn't get out alive against appalachian state um there are a couple others who haven't been able to get out of this Marsh- Marsh- Notre-, Notre dame marshall yeah, but Notre Dame can't beat anybody right now, so I'm not sure we want to. But again, that's one of those where they just came off a physical game with Ohio State, mm-hmm. and did they just struggle to get up against Marshall, or is it that there are bigger systemic problems at Notre Dame, and maybe it's both. Um, and maybe it's both at Florida, too, and I think that's what we're going to find out, is was this an emotional letdown, your third straight game at home, you feel like it's going to be a cakewalk, the fans are kind of subdued, you get up 24-13 to 13 after the pick six, and you're like, all right, here we go, we're finally going to start taking it from them. And then Anthony Richardson starts throwing interceptions and everybody starts kind of looking at him side-eyed going wait i thought we had this fixed and honestly i mean napier even mentioned in the first half um you know mm-hmm. he wasn't terrible no he averaged i think i think like 8.3 yards per attempt in the first half on nine attempts um he only had four rushes for five yards but he was effective the team was scoring points and obviously montreal johnson did a big part of that but they scored 17 points on three possessions in the first quarter or in the first half other than the kneel downs it wasn't until the second half when he had nine throws for 37 yards <laughs> and then he had three rushes for 19 stop it he- stop it Stop it. The interception, the interception <laughs> over the middle was bad. Yeah. That was a bad one. The pick six last week against Kentucky was bad. But 
I actually think that the one and everybody was up in arms about the fact that he didn't hand off the ball down in the red zone at the five. And look, I get it. You've been pounding them. Yeah. You got an opportunity, all that stuff. It was still one on one on the outside. And I think you know, you're gonna have to trust your quarterback at some point that if he's got a run pass option, that he's gonna pull it and throw into one on one coverage and your receiver has to win and the quarterback has to put it in a position where it's not where only the D B can't catch it. And and that's something that you'll be able to coach up in some respects. But that that it was the right read with bad execution as opposed to some of the other ones, like the one across the middle that's just a bad throw. Um, but again, this is the second week in a row where the interception comes and all of a sudden it looks like somebody, you know, somebody kidnapped his puppy and that's going to have to stop, right? I mean, if a mistake is made on the road against Tennessee, you can't mope. You don't have time to mope. Tennessee's too good. They'll put up 21 points while you're moping. Yep. And so, um, you know, especially against this defense. <laughs> so. <laughs> So uh, I'm, I'm worried. I've been worried about Tennessee all year. I picked Florida to finish in front of Tennessee. Then again, I also picked Florida to be Kentucky. So it shows what I know. Um, but I also didn't pick Anthony Richardson to be like the right. worst quarterback in the SEC. And, and that's what we've had so far. And he, he doesn't have to be Stetson Bennett as crazy as that is to say the best quarterback in the SEC right now. He just has to not be terrible. Like if he's average. Yeah, he's not Florida even average. Yeah, right. Yeah, right now he's so bad that that just everything bogs down. And same thing, right? I said the defense is, needs to pick him up, but he needs to pick up the defense too. You need to give him a rest. You need to give him some confidence that even if they make a mistake, they don't. It's not a catastrophic mistake that you'll be able to get the points back. And and look, I mean, the saving grace in all of this stuff is that you still won the game. Mm-hmm. So you're two and one, and you really shouldn't be. If you look at post game win percentage, which is a stat I like that talks about. Um, you know how often you would win a game if you replayed it, um, given the same stats. <laughs> Florida would have won that game against USF thirty-seven percent of the time. Mm. So you know against Utah it was ninety-nine percent. Against Kentucky it was two percent, and against USF it's thirty-seven percent. So you think about that you're two and one and you probably shouldn't be Florida's been outscored this year so far. And typically when you end up like that, you're you're not going to be two and one. You're going to be one and two. So you get to take a deep breath. You get to say, got away with one. And now you got to take advantage of it, and we'll see if they're able to do that. All right. So one popular topic coming out of the press conference today was, is Billy Napier limiting Anthony Richardson running the ball? We'll get into that. But first, a message from our new sponsor, Shark Coatings. You know the goosebumps you get when Florida takes the field? Or when that 63-yard Hail Mary actually works? Or the thrill of a game-winning interception in the end zone? What a rush. You can experience that same rush every day at your home with Shark Coatings. We'll cover your old, ugly concrete with a beautiful industrial concrete coating and a warranty that lasts longer than most careers in professional football. So whether your garage floor is for parking, partying, or working out, Shark Coatings can transform it. And if your pool deck is starting to look like a bulldog, old, cracked, and smells like pee, Shark Coatings can transform that too. Shark Coatings is easy to clean, stain-resistant, and is 100% antibacterial and antimicrobial. We're easy on the eyes and on the maintenance. Gator Nation is worldwide, and Shark Coatings is based right in the heart of it. So whether you live in Brunswick, Georgia, or Live Oak, Florida, down to Ocala, over to New Smyrna Beach, or anywhere in between, Contact us for a free estimate today. Learn more at sharkfloorcoatings.com. That's sharkfloorcoatings.com. Big thanks to Shark Coatings for hopping on board. Gators Breakdown, and uh, we'll, we'll get right to it. And, yep, Billy Napier answering some questions about if he's limiting Anthony Richardson running the ball. Anthony Richardson chimes in as well. I think our situation at quarterback has something to do with that, if that makes sense. But I also believe the guy's made some plays with his legs. You know, the guy made two third down conversions in the, 
you know, in the game the other day, you know, where it's third and seven to ten, you know, long, extra long, and he goes to his progression and then breaks the pocket and makes a play. So, um, you know, I think each game and each week's a little bit different relative to the concepts are called, how the team's defending you. I think teams are very aware that this guy can beat them with his feet, you know, so I think you maybe get different structure as a result of that. So, uh, but I, I'm with you. Um, I think we we do our best to use his skill set, right? And I think we'll continue to grow in that area. I definitely consider it, you know, because uh, they tell me every week I got to be careful. Uh, I can't take big hits, you know. Uh, I can't be Superman out there, you know. So I, I try not to, you know, be too physical. Uh, I try to get down. Uh, I started sliding this year, um, you know. So. I definitely think about it. You know, uh, I don't. I don't think it takes me out of my game. You know, it just uh, helps me stay a little safer. But you are Superman, so or can be. So, is are you curtailing? What, what I guess what's changed since the Utah game? You were so effective that night, running and passing. What's different the last game or two for you? Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, honestly, that's a great question. I don't really even know. I guess I just started holding myself back from running, and that's a part of the offense. You know, it helps us move the ball, so I guess I just got to pick it up and, and bring that back. Have you noticed a defense adjust to that at all, or, or are they playing closer, though, to you and spies and so forth? Or? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, especially on our uh, play-action fakes, they're not even going for the run anymore. They're just waiting for me to roll out and, and use my legs. You know, so that's opening up other things for our running backs, and they can hit different holes in zones. You know, so teams are definitely playing like that, but you know, we just got to play football and just find a way to get around that. Well, Anthony Richardson does say, you know, that it's uh, kind of been stressed. He's got to stay safe, not take the big hits. Uh, also did mention, and I think it's kind of been thrown out a little bit, that Napier did tell him to use his legs more on third down versus USF coming out of the Kentucky game. That was said as well, but getting a bit overlooked because of <laughs> the sound bites uh, we just shared there. And, of course, I mean – um, everybody's looking for what's different and why is it not working and why is Anthony Richardson not working, uh, not running? And well, we probably get a bit of an answer here. Uh, Billy Napier, hey, look, coaches think different than fans and analysts think out there. I've always been a proponent. I've said it many, many a times. You don't coach scared due to injuries. If it happens, it just happens. Coaches don't think that way. Coaches are thinking games ahead. As the, you know, they're thinking the whole season as a big picture. And you know, he's thinking, I can't not have Anthony Richardson out there at quarterback. I cannot have him uh, get hurt. You know, he is the quarterback of this team. But we'll, at the same time, we can see now if that's what they say it is and they're limiting him just so they can keep him healthy – you know, well, that, that is affecting Anthony Richardson. That is affecting the offense. We know how big of a weapon he can be with his legs. And look, Florida still hit some explosive runs with the running backs, and that's all well and good. But it is a bit different. We saw it in the Utah game. That was the best, uh, of course, example of it. You can do both. You can have both. It can be a difference maker when you're playing a really, really good team here. Uh, so it's, um, you know, I'm glad they come out. I'm glad it was discussed. I'm glad we got to, to, to hear about that. I do think we'll – Napier's still learning about this team, going back to Kentucky game and how Kentucky was playing it. They mentioned how the defenses were playing them. You know, it was set up to throw the ball a, a bit more. 
But you know, as I said, there's the old adage that we go with, you know, you dictate, don't be dictated. If you still want to run your, your quarterback, and no matter what the defenses are showing, you know, we know how much of a how, how, how much of a weapon it is. But I do think it caught him by surprise just how bad he was going to be throwing the ball. And maybe just waiting for him to break through, waiting for him to be that player in a clutch situation. That never came about. And I don't think, you know, the, 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 them running there um, – the pass was there. They wanted to see if he could do it. It just never came around. Probably waited a little bit too late. Now, versus USF, I'm not sure there were many design runs in the game plan. A much closer game than expected. Not sure you want to go, you know, throw Anthony Richardson into a pile over and over again. Or, you know, basically Tim Tebow him. Do you want to have Anthony Richardson run 10, 15 times a game versus USF? Especially when you run game. You're, you're running, you're, your running backs were, were working really well. So we, as I said, we, we went back the last week, and how do you attack the USF game? Do you attack it in a way to get ready for Tennessee? Do you attack it in a way to, to make Anthony Richardson better? Do you try and get him more involved in the passing game to try and get him more comfortable? Looks like that was part of the plan, and it still didn't work out too well. So, well, I think there's so many ways, there's so many angles to look at this, trying to keep him safe, and what do you do so it's not so much of a detriment to your offense and your team? Well, I mean, I think that's what why they did what they did against USF. I mean, look, you can't have a quarterback who can't throw. I mean, you you can you it, they're not running the Tommy Frazier Nebraska <laughs> offense. And even then, Frazier could hit a pass every once in a while. Like you, that offense doesn't exist anymore. And so, a two tight end offense where you're running it like the 49ers or the or the Rams and that sort of stuff. Look, I mean, Jared Goff was really good for the Rams. He's not a very good quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is really good for the 49ers, or at least average for the 49ers. He's not a great quarterback. But those guys are able to work within the system. They're able to hit the passes they're supposed to hit. And are they Tom Brady? No, they're not. But they're able to be functional. Now, the, the magic of Anthony Richardson, though, is that if he can be serviceable through the air and then dynamic on the ground, well, now you have a real dynamic difference maker who, who can make your offense go and make your offense hum. And last year when Richardson came into the game, the offense just felt different. There's zero doubt that the offense always felt different when he was in the game. There was an energy. There was an attitude. There was, hey, this guy is different than Emory Jones, and that energy has just been missing the minute he throws an interception, right? And and I think in the, in the USF game, we were all kind of holding our breath, waiting for it, and then it came. It was like, oh, there it is, bad read. But then it snowballs. It snowballed now two straight games, and that's the thing that has to stop. You, you, the If you're not going to run him, then you have to get him out there chucking the ball down the field. You have to call some stuff where he's going to have to take some risks. Deal with the turnovers. I mean, the, the thing is, is that this 2022 season is to figure out whether Anthony Richardson can lead you to a championship in 2023 or 2024. And you have to figure that out. So to sit there and play tentatively the entire time doesn't make a whole lot of sense other than you keep him healthy so you can figure out that answer. The the And when I say tentative, I mean call the game plan the way you're yeah. going to call it, but then ask him to play within the offense. That's why I say checkdowns are going to be so important. Like nothing will thrill me more than on, say, like a third and nine to see him check the ball down to the running back. The running back gets tackled for five yards, and then Florida punts. Like I think that is, that is a win right now for Anthony Richardson. Now, now the Florida fans aren't going to think that's a win because you didn't get the first down, you didn't move the ball, but that's a win because it's a development part of his game. 
as far as the injuries and all that sort of stuff, I mean, look, you brought in Jack Miller as a transfer. Granted, he's been injured, but you brought in Jack Miller. You kept the guys that are on the roster. You brought in Max Brown. Um, you know, you could have brought in other people through the transfer portal. There, there wasn't a limitation on that sort of stuff. I mean, geez, Dylan Gabriel went to Oklahoma. There were all sorts of people transferring all over the place. There were opportunities to bring in other people, and you chose not to do that. So I think hiding behind the injuries in terms of why he's not running, I think, is probably short-sighted. I think – the reason he's not running is, is that they want to see what he can do through the air because they know he has to be good or at least average through the air. And he's been worse than that. And so the only way you make this team better next year and the year after, and this is where I think, you know, you talk about the difference between thinking like a coach, thinking like somebody who's building a program and thinking like a fan. Look, I want him to run Richardson 25 times next <laughs> week against Tennessee as a fan because I want to see Florida win that game. And I think the only way they win it is if Richardson cracks – well. I think it's the same thing as Emory Jones last year. Emory Jones, when he averaged more than like seven yards a rush, Florida won and the offense was consistent. The minute it dropped below like four yards per rush, the offense was putrid. And I think that's sort of the same thing with Anthony Richardson at this time in his career is that's going to be what you're going to see is that if he runs for six, seven, eight yards per rush and he runs 10 times, all right, yeah, Florida's going to win. The offense is going to move the ball. But you got to – you know, the problem with that is you got to put him out there and, and have him be a target, you know, eight, nine, ten times in the game. And are you willing to do that? At this point, either have to be if you want to win the game, or you accept that look, growing pains are going to happen. He has to learn how to throw it. He's on the road. This is an opportunity to see what he can do, see if he can recover, if he makes a mistake, if he throws an interception, see if he can be more on target. And then you just live with the consequences because you know he's going to have to throw the ball next year, the year after, that sort of stuff as you move forward. And look, you need to know at the end of the year, we've got to be able to sit down and say, can Anthony Richardson be a quarterback who can lead Florida to the playoff? Because if the answer is no, then it's time to get Max Brown in there, or it's time to get a transfer in there, or it's time to go recruit somebody who can come in and do that job. Um, and you have to know the answer to that question. And so um, whatever it takes to answer that question is all I want to see. Whether he runs, whether he doesn't, I don't think is critical, other than the fact that you know, you're going to have some angry fans if he doesn't run and you don't win the game. Well, my, my uh, part of it too, you know, can it uh, can it make him more comfortable to where he's more confident and he is passing the ball better? Uh, I think that goes along with it too. And, you know, yeah, yeah. And I'm going is you know you, I, you don't have to go full Tim Tebow with, with Anthony Richardson. I I, you know, I don't think you have to do that. Uh, I think it needs to tilt more uh, with him running at least to get some defenses uh, to be scared of it. As you already said, you know already worried about it. Defenses are playing him in a way where it is opening lanes for the running backs already. It is helping the run game uh, in some ways. It is helping the offense in some ways. The way defenses are having to ha- having to focus so much on him, um, but. It's uh, it's it's tricky, Will, because you, you go back to last week and Anthony Richardson even told us after the Kentucky game, I'm a quarterback I want to throw. I mean, some of this, I think, is his decisions, too, of, hey, I need to prove I can throw. I want to prove I can throw. And I do think that got too far. I think it went too far in the Kentucky game, and it cost Florida uh, a bit. I do think, you know, the, and then, look, I mentioned on the podcast uh, yeah, yesterday, too, in, in looking at this, you know, w- we don't know the game calls. We don't know the play calls that are coming in. Uh, we don't know the game plan moving forward either. You know, I, I do think you coach to win a game uh, right now at, at the same time. And I know there's this fine line of coaching to win a game and coaching and learning about your team and what you have for next year uh, with, with the quarterback too. I'm more in the mindset of, you know, go, go win me a ball game uh, right now. So what does that look like? Uh, and I mentioned it yesterday. You know, do you limit his decision making uh, of checking out a place? How much freedom do you give him? And you know, that that has been fought back a bit. And, and I get the argument. Well, what is he really learning if you're doing that? 
You know, what is he learning within the offense if you do not allow him to make checks, if you do not allow him to learn from his mistakes, if you just go out there and, and tell him what to do? So it is a fine line. I'm in the uh, – look, maybe it's just a nearsighted look. You know, I want Florida to go do everything they can to go beat Tennessee this week, and I don't care if that, if that means Anthony Richardson runs 40 times. But you're right. You know, what does, what does that mean uh, for Anthony Richardson – in the future, and maybe maybe that even shouldn't matter. Maybe we'll get our answer at the end of the year. All right, well, I couldn't rely on him to do that. We still won some games because he ran the ball a whole lot. That's not the direction we want to go, and we'll look at that later. Well, it needs to be for learning, not injury, because here's the deal. Anthony Richardson, for qualified guys, so minimum of 14 attempts per game, is ranked 115th in QB rating out of 119 qualified quarterbacks. There's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys who are below 100. And Anthony Richardson is one of those ten guys. So I don't know. Maybe J- maybe Kitna is that bad. But I don't know that you can get much worse through the air than, than Richardson's been these last two games. And, and so protecting him from injury is not doing you any good when it comes to like, I, I don't know that your replacement is going to be that much worse. In fact, it might tilt it more towards the running game, mm. at which point you might start doing some of the things we've been yelling in the first half where we just constantly tweet, run the ball, run uh, the ball, you, you, run the ball. It's so funny. You, you brought that up. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm all for Anthony Richardson playing, playing and, and being the quarterback right now. But it, it is so funny. You bring that up. Cause I thought about that too. Like if, if you do switch quarterbacks, I do agree with you that it, then it probably does mean you lean on those running backs a good bit well i mean look i I think richardson has the skill set that's necessary to be to be a really really good quarterback but he has not shown the ability to be able to win a game through the air and until he does florida's going to be limited and if you're not willing to run him florida's going to be really limited and you know how long do you wait to learn versus do you sit somebody down for a for a series or two series or three series just to give them like a breather, especially mm-hmm. after an interception where things are starting to go bad? And, and that's going to be the call for Napier to make, right? I mean, does he lose trust in his quarterback? Seems like he's built up a real good relationship with Richardson. If he sits him down for a series, does that cause problems? Um, is it that clear that he's that much better in practice that they have to put him out there? You know, we just don't know the answers to those questions. So, um, but again, I mean, we're not talking about a guy who's like middle of the pack and we're saying, well, you know, like if the defense had played a little bit better and, you know, if he hit this throw or that throw, I mean, I diagrammed in the game against Kentucky, he missed six throws in the first half. He only threw the ball 18 times, I think, maybe 16 times. I can't remember in the first half. And so you, know, you can't miss 40% of your throws when, when you've got guys who are open. You just can't. And you know, look, I, I'm rooting for Anthony Richardson as much as as much as anybody out there. I think he has an opportunity to be special, but it's going to have to switch, and it's, it's going the flips the switch is going to have to flip, and it needs to needs to flip pretty quickly. Otherwise, you're not doing your team any favors by throwing him out there. And and in some ways, that's the argument for running him is that these guys, you know, you think about a guy like Naquan Wright. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I criticized him earlier, but that guy deserves to try to win these games just like anybody else. That's that's where and, I go with it. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, yeah, you may want to grow Anthony Richardson, but there's also, you know, a good, you know, 84 other players out there on this roster that want to go win some ball games. Well, I mean, and, and look, I mean, if Emory Jones had played like this last year, we would have been howling. In fact, Emory Jones was better than this last year. We were howling for a change. And, and so I, I think there's, there's, uh, you know, there comes a time where you got to make a decision about you need to build a culture of winning and you need to build a culture of having the best player out on the field. 
and you know 40% completion like you're showing here in the graphic against Kentucky and six rushes for four yards. Uh, that's that's not going to get the job done at the quarterback position for Rutgers or for Vanderbilt, let alone at Florida. Yep, threw up those stats there as you can as you can tell. Utah, eleven attempts on the ground, one hundred and six yards, three touchdowns. Of course, Kentucky, as Will just said, six attempts, only four yards. And then South Florida, seven attempts, twenty-four yards, with a long of sixteen. Richardson on the season, twenty-four attempts, one hundred and thirty-four yards, all three touchdowns coming in the first game versus Utah, and of course that forty-five-yard run versus Utah as well on the ground. So keep those stats in mind. We'll see what it looks like versus Tennessee. Does it get up to double-digit carries? Of course, some of this goes into some of those scrambles as well. Uh, but I think we're all looking for, you know, design runs. And what does that look like? Does it change coming up with a game that's, you know, if you, if you look at it, uh, a must-win in some ways. If you're looking at SEC and hierarchy of the SEC, we know Florida's not going to Atlanta this year. But, you know, if you start looking at it, you know, you, you, it's a rivalry game. You, you want to keep the streak alive versus Tennessee. Uh, you go into the Knoxville, your first road game. You want to go play well uh, there if you're the Gators. And, Will, what this all equals up to as the Gators head to Knoxville, and it's, it, it's ugly right now. And this is, you know, rankings for Florida's – Offense right now heading into the Tennessee game. I mean, with the struggles on offense, with the struggles in the passing game, and Anthony Richardson not being able to run the ball. Total offense, the Gators tied for 97th in college football, 353 yards a game. Scoring offense, 96th in the country. Rushing offense, 32nd in the country. So there you go. That's where you start, of course, leaning on uh, like, 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 we, <laughs> like most of us want. Passing offense, 121st in the country, dead last in the SEC. Passing efficiency, 126. And, Will, there's the big one, uh, the very last one. Tied for 129th. Of course, that's dead last in the SEC. With a value of zero, Florida, zero touchdowns, four interceptions, a touchdown-interception ratio, not very pretty when you look at it. The last two weeks, of course, come to mind with Anthony Richardson being, um, you know, just be, being not himself, uh, at least the, the way it looks compared to that Utah game and really turning the ball over. But, well, that's what it looks like right there. Uh, around 100 in a lot of categories, up to 120, around the 130 range. Hey, look, there's only 132 teams in college football, uh, I believe, this year. And Florida's near – dead last in a lot of offensive categories. Yeah, well, I, I didn't realize that we were hiring uh, Nussmeyer as our offensive coordinator when Billy Napier came in, but uh, that's what these numbers look like. Like This reminds me of some of those years under McIlwain and Nussmeyer, and obviously that wasn't good enough. And, you know, there's been some noise over the last couple of games about uh, Billy Napier having the offensive coordinator responsibilities and and so that he can have the two offensive line coaches. And it turns out the two offensive line coaches seem to have done a pretty good job, but, but the offensive coordinator is he, – he'd get fired at some other jobs based on this uh, based on this performance if this holds throughout the year. I, look, I think it's going to get better. I think the, the – Schedule has stars, played a part. Yeah, and I think the stars have sort of aligned for, for a few things that uh, – you know, if you really look at, it, I think Richardson, like I said, I thought he made the right read on the inter on the second interception um, down in the red zone. I'm okay with that read. It's not maybe you'd just like to see him hand the ball off, but they weren't at the one; they were at the five. So I, I could see him doing that. I think the pick six was just awful, but the interception before that, when he rolled out and threw it at the defensive end, and the defensive end hangs or the linebacker hangs onto it, Weaver, I think, yeah. um, you know that 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 falls to the ground 99 out of 100 times. So two of his four interceptions are not not of the bad variety. Two of his 
his interceptions are just absolutely horrid. And, uh, you know, that that's we saw that last year, too. The, the problem is that the surprise isn't the four interceptions. The surprise is the zero touchdowns. Yeah. Like they haven't taken they haven't taken many shots at all. No. And I mean, and that's you know, a staple of Napier's offense. They like well, to not, go. They like to go deep. Not a lot, but they go deep. Well, and so that's the question. I think the question is: Are they not going deep because Richardson doesn't isn't pulling the trigger? Mm-hmm. Are they not going deep because people aren't getting open? Or are they not going deep because essentially the defense is sitting in cover two and daring them to throw it over the middle, and they're not able to throw it over the middle? And in some ways, this may just be a case where Anthony Richardson has to throw them out of that formation. And you even saw it against Kentucky. He threw down the middle to Pearsall, drove him down the field. Kentucky got into a single high look with one safety, and then he threw a fade to Shorter, really going for the kill shot in, in an early drive against Kentucky. And I don't particularly like the play call, but what it did was it freed up a receiver on the outside to take a deep shot. And, you know, look, the other thing that you do, and this is the thing that I, I, I really am getting frustrated by, is that when the other team plays too deep, run the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, just run them out of it. Like, make them bring a safety down to the line of scrimmage. Make them get out of it. And the minute a team goes to one single high safety, it makes the read so much easier for your quarterback. It also takes them out of zones, right? You, If you're going to drop into a zone out of a single high, then you, you're kind of out of position, and there's some creases, and there's some things that you can do to – to make it more effective. And to be honest, that one safety has to decide, is he going to be on the left-hand side of the field or the right-hand side of the field? And there's an opportunity there to take advantage of it. So I think from a scheme perspective, you, you know, you got to, you got to do one of two things. If they're going to play that thing, if they're going to play cover two, essentially, and you're just reading that linebacker in the middle, then, you know, does he drop into the middle? And so you throw it underneath, or does he take the underneath guy and you throw it over his head? If you're going to run that, like if that's what you're going to do, you either have to throw them out of it or you got to run them out of it. One of those two. And thus far, Florida hasn't been able to throw them out of it, which means they're going to have to run them out of it. And luckily, these stats suggest they should be able to do that. And you know that's really, I think, what they're going to have to do against Tennessee. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not a big deterrent of the play calling either. I think, I think there's been, has it been perfect? No. Has there been plenty of play calls there to be made? Absolutely. Uh, but when we do look at some of the passes that when Anthony Richardson does throw it. I mean, there is no wide open receiver uh, there. You know, it, it would be a good catch by the receiver uh, if if he's going to catch that. And there's been, I think, maybe a couple throws come to mind where the receivers probably had a couple steps on the DB. But even on some of those deep passes, the the, the defender has been on the hip uh, of the wide receiver. So there's not. I don't necessarily necessarily you know, call it you know getting separation, or whatever. It's just when when it is thrown. There's not, you know, there, there's nobody wide open. And whether you want to say that's call play, you know, play calling and no, no receivers working open and they're not calling plays to get a receiver open. But I think there's a, a few ways to look at it. And without us knowing the play call and without really getting every play call on tape and looking at it all 22, it's just kind of really hard to know how many deep shots they're calling and uh, who's down the field and who's open and who's not open. Uh, but either way, it doesn't really matter what it is, right? <laughs> it's not getting done. Well, I mean, so here, here's the deal. The throw to Shorter wasn't a very good throw, but Shorter had an opportunity to catch it, and he was in one-on-one coverage. And the defensive back is always at a disadvantage in that situation. And so you think about, like, the touchdown that Kentucky threw to Dane Key. Yeah. Like, Kimber was all over it, mm-hmm. right? And they made a nice play, and they brought it in, and sometimes you're going to get a pass interference and all those sorts of things. And I think it's telling that Florida hasn't gotten a pass interference call, I don't think, all year long, certainly not on a throw to the outside. And the throw to the outside just lofted up there two yards short, let the defender run into him, 
and then give and then that gives the offensive player an opportunity to sort of jump up and get it. Maybe you get the big play, maybe you get the 15-yard flag, but when you get one-on-one, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be in the general vicinity, and your receiver has to be able to jump up and go get it. And, 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 we'll, and we'll, how many times have we said Florida needs to take advantage of these big-body wide receivers they have? Well, if you're going to have guys who don't get separation, <laughs> then they better be able to jump up and get it. And look, Shorter showed an ability to do that the other day. Do it again. Yep. Right? Get, run them out of the, the double coverages that they have on the outside. Make them bring a safety up. And then when they bring a safety up, you're going to get a choice. And look, I actually think, you know, we've talked about the screens with Henderson. I think Henderson has an opportunity going downfield. He's a big, lanky guy. He's got pretty sure hands. One of the things I, I know people have criticized him being on punt returns. I love it. We never get a penalty. It's almost always a it's almost always a fair catch. He never fumbles it. Like it's perfect as a punt return guy because I don't want I don't want to lose field position when you got a guy there. But what that means is he's got really good hands and he's a pretty tall guy. So send him down the sideline, throw it up there, and let him go get it. And yeah, I have you know, no, I have some, no issue with Henderson being on the field. It's just how he's used. Yeah, well, I mean, so look, in in some ways, I think that that is it's an imperfect throw. But like one of the things I'm thinking about is there was an early throw where Richardson went left to shorter, and I've been calling for him to go left because that's where he's been successful. Mm-hmm. But he he overthrew shorter going down the field, and actually, I think they did get a pass interference on that one, though it was kind of a phantom call. Um, but Richardson overthrew him by like four or five, six yards, and I'm like, just. Don't overthrow him. Yeah, <laughs> like, like there's nobody else around. Underthrow him, and I mean and that's been a, that's been long. an issue on part of it too. You know, I see we're sitting here talking about the receivers. A lot of those deep shots have been just over, just completely overthrown. Yeah, I mean, just give your guy an opportunity, and and that's that's the thing is that the thing that was encouraging coming out of the Kentucky game is Richardson missed a ton of throws, but it felt like he was going to the right guy when he was when he was throwing the ball needs a little bit more touch needs to needs to plan for there to be more error right it doesn't have to be a bullet right on the guy's hands every time and especially if you don't have the ability to do that put a little bit more air under it maybe you throw an interception on a deep pass down the sideline and the defensive back wins and catches it but then it's just like a punt yeah so right. you know it's one of those things where i just those are the easy things. Those are the things that AM just killed Florida on a few years ago in 2020, right? They just chucked it up to whoever Marco Wilson was covering, and the guy went and got it, um, even with a torn ACL. And it wasn't like it was this, it wasn't this like fantastic read by the AM quarterback. It was you have one on one, maybe even one on two, depending upon how that Florida defense was playing. <laughs> and the wide receivers were able to go up and get it. I think you're going to have to rely on some of that stuff. You're not, preci- you know, Napier talked about precision today. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think you need to put your guys in a position to succeed, and then you need to give them an opportunity to make a play. And when you overthrow them by six yards, you're not giving them an opportunity to make a play. If you underthrow them by two yards, you're giving them an opportunity. Certainly gives the defensive back an opportunity as well. But, you know, that's that's why you recruit these guys. Go up and get it. Yep. Uh, one more, Will. We'll, we'll just be looking at stats, and one I just wanted to throw out there because it was a, it was a topic uh, after the game in the post game, and something Will I think we're going to have to kind of look at uh, where Florida is at versus Tennessee. But by the quarter stats right here, and Florida is awful in the third quarter uh, this year right now. Not you know whether it be halftime adjustments, just not being up, coming out of the locker room, uh, not looking good uh, for the Gators coming in. And if you look at you know, this is Gators offense by quarter. The third quarter is it, just it, it's it's falling off uh, here. Um, you know, coming out of the coming out of the locker room. If you look at the pass, Richardson nine of 20, 76 yards. Two of his interceptions coming in the third quarter. Longest pass sixteen yards. 
quarterback rating, 56.92. And, Will, but if you look at the rushing rushing statistics – not coming out, firing off the ball. The Gators having, you know, their biggest issue running the ball is coming out of halftime. 16 attempts, only 74 yards, 4.63 yards a carry, no touchdowns rushing in the third quarter. So the Gators haven't scored in the third quarter in the three games they played so far. The longest run is 17 yards uh, there uh, for, 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 for the running game. Well, that comes in the first quarter where the Gators are averaging 5.92 yards a rush. in the second quarter. Montreal Johnson's big run, of course, uh, uh, playing a huge role there. And then in the fourth quarter, 5.52. So, well, I mean, Will, of course, better in the first half uh, altogether. Uh, Gators struggling coming out of halftime. Yeah, well, I mean, so I think part of that is situational. I mean, the defense came out and just got, you know, Utah drove down the mm-hmm. field and they had the goal line stop on the first possession after halftime in, in, in that game. Um, you know, the Kentucky game, you come out and you have the interception before half, but then Kentucky gets the ball back and is able to drive down the field. And then in this game, they come out, they throw the interception real quick coming out, coming out of halftime and then a touchdown for USF. They get it back a three and out um, actually five. So they were able to get a punt back from USF, another three and out and then a touchdown. So yeah, the USF game in particular, the defense was, or the offense was bad, but you know, I think some of it is situational. Some of it is they just haven't had a whole lot of possessions. Yeah. Right. And, and this actually is the argument for the efficiency with the skill players is that every time Montreal Johnson comes in the game, they move the ball. And every time, and I think ETN has been very good, but he hasn't been as good as Montreal Johnson. And the idea that if you're only going to get eight possessions in a game, that three of those go to Naquan Wright, three of those go to ETN, and two go to Montreal Johnson, I don't think makes a whole lot of sense. I think you need to, you're going to have to start tilting that towards the guys who are who are in there when you're moving the ball. And it's pretty clear if you look at the USF game, the ball ends up in the end zone when Montreal Johnson's in the game. The ball ends up in the end zone when they have a short field when Trevor ETN's in the game. And the ball's not getting in the end zone when Naquan Wright's in the game, except for the one, one drive where they had the, uh, the, um, the sort of ridiculous uh, penalty on USF that extended mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But ETN was the bulk of that drive, right? ETN had pretty much that entire drive until they get down to the end, and, and Naquan Wright has that run. And look, I think Wright can be an integral part of what's going on on offense. But I think if you're going to try to be more efficient in that third quarter, you come out with Montreal Johnson, you say, we're going to give him the ball. And... Until they do that, until they stop having that rotation where it's just, hey, you get one drive, you get the next drive, you get the next drive. You, you come out with with guys who everybody knows. You know they're going to try to establish the run, and you bring out guys who aren't necessarily as efficient as your best running back. I, I just I don't get it. I think you know you you need to help out your quarterback. You need to have the most efficient people in there. And as of right now, they haven't. I mean, Montreal, like I said, had three carries in the first three quarters against USF. It's just not good enough. Oh, yep. And, well, I think going to that point uh, and, and looking at it, I, I was thinking about this today. And, of course, play selection is going to come into it. How many times do you run? How many times do you pass? And, of course, I think we all want Florida to shift more towards run now, I am at the point now. Give me 15 carries apiece for Johnson, ETN. You know, get those guys around 30. Uh, and, 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 you know, <laughs> and then go see see where you go from there. And, of course, you play in Tennessee this week. So, uh, actually, you know, come come out of halftime <laughs> uh, a lot better. Hopefully it's a game uh, by the end of long as far as doesn't get the doors blown off of them in the first half of that game. Uh, but, you know, this is a game I think, you know, even if, even if Anthony Richardson was playing good, 
because of who you're playing. You know, you rely on that run game a bit, try and keep that Tennessee offense uh, on the sideline a bit. But there's ever a game where we want to see more Montreal Johnson, more Trevor Etienne. It's going to be up in Knoxville Saturday. Well, so there's a couple things there. One is that uh, Tennessee's offense has looked unbelievable this year. Their defense has looked a lot better. But Ball State Mm -hmm. is awful. Akron is awful. If you look at the FPIs of those two teams there, 129 for Akron and 118 for Ball State. Pitt is 24th, but that was an overtime win. And if you look at like the the uh, the expected points added EPA um, against Ball State, Hendon Hooker was really good. Against Akron, he was awesome. Against Pitt, he was sort of average. And so you know, you look at Anthony Richardson; he was really good against Utah. He was putrid against Kentucky, and he was bad against USF. So if he can play like he did against Utah, and and Hooker is more like the player against Pitt. Than he is against the than he is the player against Akron and Ball State. I do think there's an opportunity to slow down this Tennessee offense. Like I, I don't think that this offense is necessarily. This is not Oklahoma with Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield. Hendon Hooker is a very very good player. His QB rating is right where it's been the last couple of years. He was a good player at uh, he was a good player at Virginia Tech, and now he's come over and 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 been a really really good player at. Uh, at Tennessee, he's averaging 9.7, 9.8 yards per throw this year. He averaged 9.7 last year. The problem for Florida is Anthony Richardson averaged 8.3 yards per throw last year. He's averaged 5.5 so far this year. And, and that's really the difference. So Hooker's QB rating is actually lower than it was last year. His yards above replacement, which is one of my stats, um, is right in line with what it was last year. So the Tennessee offense is going to be good. I don't think that they are elite, elite. Now, is does that matter when you're playing a team that has a terrible offense or has so far like Florida? And when you've got a defense that's sort of been carved up by different people? Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. But I, I think this idea that Tennessee is that much better than they were last year, the only place I would say that is maybe on the defensive side of the ball when you start looking at these teams. And, and that's the thing, I think, that if you're looking for hope for Florida, it's that they've played bad teams and that the defensive improvement that Tennessee showed so far is a mirage. And that Florida is going to be able to take advantage of some things that Tennessee has on the defensive side of the ball. Because as of right now, they have a negative EPA against uh, against opposing teams on the ground. And that's a problem. Because if Tennessee has that good a defense against teams that are running the ball, Florida's going to have really, really struggle to move the ball. And, and this is going to be a bloodbath. I don't think they're that good. I think Ball State and Akron are really bad. I think Pitt, in some ways, you know, without Kenny Pickett, um, you know, just that that was a game where you sit there and go, well, you know, how good is Pitt really? And I, and I don't know that we know the answer to that. I mean, right. I mean, Pitt, they're a team that that played West Virginia close. West Virginia lost to Kansas. Um, you know, Pitt played Western Michigan, certainly lost their, uh, you know, they, they've, they lost their quarterback. But, you know, they played Western Michigan reasonably close. They beat Ball State, Western Michigan beat Ball State 37 to 30. Now, the transitive property doesn't necessarily hold in college football, certainly, but it gives you an idea, right? This is not Georgia. This, if we were playing Georgia this week, I'd say just, you know, start digging the grave because it's over <laughs> right now. I mean, Florida has to improve a lot before that game comes up to even really consider them having a shot. But in this game, I think Tennessee has enough to prove that we shouldn't just sit there and crown them. I think. Florida obviously has a lot to prove, but I think Tennessee does as well. Everybody knew they were going to score points. The question was, could they stop anybody? I don't know that they've necessarily proven that yet because Pitt's breaking in a new quarterback. Their quarterback, you know, how often does Pittsburgh have a quarterback who gets drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers? They just had that. You're not going to necessarily replace that guy at Pittsburgh. And Slovis got got hurt in the Tennessee game. 
Yeah. And are they really that good? Right. And then Ball State and Akron, we know they're not good. And so what have they proven? And, you know, they've proven that they can score against bad teams. I do think that Tennessee would have beaten USF by about 50. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, you know, I mean, I'm not sure that Florida really took USF seriously. So I'm putting some, like, the hope for this one comes from one good one against Utah, one bad one against Kentucky, the USF game, man. Maybe you're overlooking them a little bit. You come out there. Tennessee's not quite as good as you thought, and you're able to put together a complete performance and, and come out of there with a with a close W. Um, but this one, there's a reason why Tennessee's favored by ten and a half points, right? I mean, there, there's it, it's one of those things where if everything goes bad, if if Richardson throws an interception and stuff starts to snowball, Florida could lose by thirty five. I don't think there's a scenario where Florida wins by thirty five, and so that's why you see the the game looking the way it is in Vegas and that sort of stuff. Oh, well, it's probably a good preview uh, coming up if, uh, of your preview. I'm sure that's coming up later this week. Yeah, I was looking up some stats today, so I've I've got uh, I got I got some I got some material. So, um, no, nah, I mean, look, it, it's it's discouraging to see the way Florida's played the last two weeks, especially after the first week. Um, at the same time, I think this the idea that you could just replace everybody um, is also false. I mean, you know, I've had people ask me about the youth on the defense. Um, had people say, "Oh, we need to get Trevez Johnson and Rashad Torrance out of there." I'm like, "Those are the guys who were good last year. Like, you can't just take those guys out." <laughs> like, I get it. Guys are making mistakes, and you want to see them. You want to see them improve, and you're like, "Hey, somebody on the bench behind them might be good." But I don't think that's the case. I think new system, new learning. Um, you know, that there still isn't the depth to really hold people accountable mm-hmm. for things and and make sure that you know you just have to put out the guys who are the most physically gifted and hope that it starts to click. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Richardson too, right? You roll out the guy who's the most physically gifted and hope it starts to click. And that stinks to be going into the fourth game of the year hoping that things click. Um, you know, but but that's where we are. That's who this team is. And you know, there are just. I don't see a whole lot of distinct advantages for Florida in this one against Tennessee, which is one of the reasons why it's discouraging. But, you know, that's why they roll the ball out there. I mean, there have been plenty of years where I thought the Vols were going to be able to get us, and they've only gotten us once in, like, the last, what, 25 or something like that. And that was just the one where Quincy Wilson was talking smack. So hopefully uh, hopefully nobody <laughs> says anything, no, bull, no billboard material, and, uh, and uh, you know, go, go put them down by 30 like the last time, like when Mullen went in there his first year. Yeah, we'll break it all down. Will a read reaction be later on later this week on Gators Breakdown? Gators Vols, not where it used to be, but man, it, Knoxville's gonna be rocking this week. Game day is coming I mean, to town. It's uh, it's they, game they, day, two they top are. twenty-five teams. I they, mean, this they is, are. This, honestly. Yeah, when they was are last time it was. When was the last time it was two top twenty-five teams? Is it the Ooh. year that Trey Burton like came? I don't in think Tennessee just, was ranked that year. I want to say they were both like in sitting tw- in like the twenty twenties. Okay, yeah, I want to say that they were ranked. Yeah, right, Tennessee's well, been back. Tennessee's been back for a decade and a half. I was going to look and, that up because I, it, it twelve would have been the last one, and that's the game you're talking about with Driscoll and Burton yeah. has that long run. And well, see. and I'll be honest, I went I went to the game in twenty eighteen. Oh, Florida was eighteenth. Tennessee was not ranked. Okay. Well, yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. Eighteen. Florida. Tennessee was twenty third. Yeah, so it's right around the same type of thing, right? And Florida comes in, Trey Burton hits the big run. Um, Everybody's like, oh, Florida's back. And Florida actually did have a good year that year. Um, Sort of smoke and mirrors, but able to have a good year. Tennessee falls apart, fires Butch Jones. I I think it took him another year or two to fire him, but, you know, you – In 2012, that was Derek Dooley, Oh, Dooley was was still there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they got rid of Dooley. And then brought in Butch Jones. So brick by brick, man. They've been building. They've been building those bricks for like two decades now. So uh, yeah, I, look, I'm gonna believe it when I see it. That's the thing. Is Kentucky? I, I, I've was said able that to, too. But whew, this one, 
Well, I'm not saying I'm going to pick them. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, though. You know, it's interesting because I got a lot of flack. I didn't actually write a preview this past week for USF, but I picked USF to cover. And there were a lot of reasons for that. But one of the reasons was Florida just wasn't dynamic on the offensive side of the ball. They had, they were favored by like 23 points. They, they, were, <laughs> they weren't averaging 23 points a game coming into that one. So, you know, you sit there and go, all right, well, that's, that's 10 and a half points is a lot. Yeah. Like, that is a lot for a team that seems two weeks to have ago, a mental block. Two weeks ago, this line would have been, what, Tennessee 4, probably? After the Utah game, I think this line might have been pick a pick em. Tennessee by 1, yeah. Tennessee by 2, something like that. Right? If Richardson had played halfway decently in the last two games, and the scores were the same, right? Florida's 2-1, and one, but let's say the defense was a little bit worse against Kentucky, and they lose, but Richardson was like average but not putrid, then I still think this is like a three-point game. And now you're getting 10 and a half? I don't know. I I, uh, I try not to gamble on Florida because I inevitably lose lose money because my heart goes <laughs> in a place where it shouldn't. Like I didn't cash out my Heisman bet after the Utah one on Anthony Richardson. Boy, was that a mistake! But uh, yeah, the, you, the heart wants what the heart wants, Dave. So I I I, I write about it, but I usually don't put the money on it because uh, my Same heart here. takes me places where uh, where my head says stay away. All right, there we go. There we go. All right, yeah, check us out. Uh, Will at Read and Reaction. Get his Florida Tennessee preview later this week, uh, right here on Gators Breakdown as well. Will, uh, anything else you guys got going on at Read and Reaction? Yeah, we're gonna have somebody from Tennessee on Stand Up and Holler for for our two bit segment, so okay. we'll be able to hear we'll be able to see what the uh, what the the temperature is there in Knoxville. I'm sure they're sitting there salivating. Oh, they are. Oh, this is this is our opportunity. This is our opportunity. And how awesome would it be? To just like if rip happen, their hearts out. It happens going, again. <laughs> oh my God. At that point, you got to just be like, you know. And plus, I mean, if we can get like a gif like Pruitt kicking the <laughs> kicking the dry erase board out of it, like Hypel sitting on the sidelines eating a cheeseburger or something. I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the gif would be, but uh, you know, look, I mean, this is why we love it. It's so unpredictable. Yeah. And you know, the the fact that you have a team like Appalachian State going in and beating Texas AM means that there's an opportunity for anybody. And Florida certainly is is the talent gap between Florida and Tennessee is way closer than the talent gap between Texas AM and and Appalachian State. And so there's some opportunities here. You're gonna have to take advantage of it. You're gonna have to go in and seize it, and you're you're not gonna be able to play scared. Mm-hmm. And and that's I think the thing that concerns people most over the last couple of weeks is it feels like Florida's been playing scared. They've been trying to hold on to a lead rather than extend it. And we even saw that in the Utah game a little bit. Napier had like 45 seconds left and ran the clock out. Um, he decides not to against Kentucky, and it turns into a disaster. And, uh, you know, th- there, there's just been some tentativeness at different times. And I think they're going to have to play loose. And I think they can get the job done if they play loose and everything goes right. Everything has to go right. But, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why we watch. It's one of the reasons why this is so fun. You, you never count anybody out in college football. All right, there we go. Will Miles. Find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and his site read and reaction. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.